There's incredible personal freedom in truth, yet we spend so much of our lives showing up the way we think we should. The ways that will make our parents happy, our colleagues respect us, society at large accept us, and of course, the ways that will make us look good on Instagram and social media. In My Truth is the antidote to the shoulds. Be a fly on the wall as my guests and I dive into the untruths we're currently living with and work through them together in real time. I'm Sarah Regalhuth, your host, and as I recently updated my Instagram bio to read, I'm not one thing, but many. Professionally, I run Grow My Team. I'm one of the co-founders of the League of Extraordinary Women, but personally, I'm a lot more than that. Last year, I moved through a breakdown. I also moved through a breakup. I also changed my entire career professionally, sold my company, ended 17 years in financial planning, a lot of change. During this period, I had a strong calling to share what was going on for me, to share it publicly on my blog, on my social media. I don't know why, but I really felt that it was important to open up these conversations and share with people what was really happening behind the scenes of my life. This sharing resulted in a lot of people reaching out to me to have deep conversations. And I started imagining what would it look like if other people could listen in on these conversations? What healing could come from that? I knew that I was healing. I knew the people I was having conversations with were healing. And I really felt that if other people could listen to these conversations, to what was happening in real time, as we worked through things, that healing would come for many. And so on a drive from Vancouver to Colorado, a pilgrimage, I would say, where I was moving my life back to the state that has called my heart since the first moment I ever set foot in there, this podcast, In My Truth, was born. It feels healing and growing for me. I believe it's healing and growing for my guests. And I feel that there will be healing and growing for you, my listeners. So let's dive in. Quick disclaimer before we dive in, what we talk about on In My Truth tends to be very raw and can be triggering. I have included in the show notes links to resources and places where you can get support and help if you do find yourself triggered by what we talk about. Welcome loves to this week's episode of In My Truth. I have my friend Savannah Freemeyer on the line. I'm really excited to be chatting with her. We met through the Aubrey Marcus Fit for Service Fellowship, uh, met in person for the first time in Tulum, but we had a few chats online and on the phone beforehand. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to have you on the show, Savannah. Hi, Sarah. I am so excited to be doing this with you and actually having you know face-to-face conversation. Um, I do want to say i loved that we got to talk before Tulum about retreats because it helped push me into doing my first retreat, my women's retreat. So I'm a, an integrative and wellness life coach. I also use like massage therapy and Reiki and yoga to kind of create a holistic approach to treating mind, body, spirit, and really diving in and seeing where people need to find balance in their lives. And since I've been in fit for service, I've uncovered a lot more and discovered kind of my niche and also my purpose and my mission. And a lot of it surrounds around um, finding sovereignty and discovering our power. And the best way that I've found this is the creative power of like our sexuality. And it's really interesting that throughout my life, I had a lot of shame surrounding my sexuality and guilt. And I'm discovering that there's so many little like gold nuggets like hidden in that, that sexuality. And mm-hmm. just recently, since starting Fit for Service, I had the idea to start writing kind of my memoirs, I guess, of sexual encounters that I've had or fantasies, um, just using like sexuality even as a medium. And it's interesting through Fit for Service, I, I actually started creating these stories and I thought wow this is going to be fun like I'm going to write erotic art and talk about sex and get to be creative and I get to let the sexual flow go however I want it to go but it's very illuminating to some of the like the patterns that I have or like what is it that turns me on and it's it's been really interesting (laughs) going down this path So you're discovering more through your writing than what you thought you would kind of thing? Yes. So um, I've discovered about myself that I 
love like kind of like voyeurism, like exhibitionism. But what I realized is that in my own life for a while, I had a hard time with exposure. So even like some of my anxieties were things that like turned me on. Um, I don't really like being reprimanded or punished or told what to do or controlled in my real life. Mm. But in my sexuality, I love being restrained and spanked and told like, I'm a bad girl. <laughs> so oh, all of that comes out in my writing. And uh, it's just it's like, wow, I, you know, it almost seems like there's like a, a double life, like when it when I can be open with my sexuality versus what I'm afraid of in my life. So you feel more open, more open sexually than you do in your normal life. Is that what you're feeling? Yeah, definitely that. And noticing that the things that give me anxiety are also the things that turn me on. Oh, that's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. Cause when I think about like a, a man telling me what to do or like, you need to be like, I'm like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me what to do. But then in the bedroom, I'm like, yes, please tie me up. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And what, what about it is kind of, um, I guess, what are you working through right now? Like, what about it is challenging you? Uh, so recently I started writing a story uh, that's, it's part fantasy, part reality. Like it's with a real person. Like I have that essence of that person and parts mm -hmm. of the story did happen. But like to create like a creative piece of art, I get to add whatever other elements in that I like. And it goes a little bit more smoothly than it, it does in real life. Uh, but one I noticed, it's a, I call it schoolgirl punishment. <laughs> I'm realizing like, okay, it's, I'm getting spanked by a ruler for making a mistake. And so that almost like highlights some of my, like my own perfectionism and feeling like, well, I have to be good enough and I have to put on this performance. And if I don't do well, I'm going to be punished for it. And like that is deeply rooted in my relationship with my dad. Which when I think about my dad and like my sexual stories, like I don't really want to think about those two <laughs> things like connecting, but there's that deep rooted like woundedness from noticing, you know, the things that I was afraid of, like as a, a girl, a little girl, or even a teenager. Mm, so interesting. Yeah. What, and you said you had a lot of sexual shame, which I can like, completely identify with and, and had as well and feel like I've only really come into my own sexually in the last couple of years. Like I know I've always been a very sexual person, enjoyed it. Um, but like personally felt, I think felt like kind of slut shamed or whatever you want to call it when I was in my teens. And then that really impacted then how I approach sex in a lot of my my most of my relationships really where I kind of thought sex was bad and I, I it kind of I didn't really know how to reconcile like being sexual but sex is bad and then I feel like it impacted my sex life in my in my two main long-term relationships like I just didn't feel I, I thought my libido was gone like I just thought I didn't really I don't know I honestly I didn't know at the time but I look back now now that I've like awakened sexually in the last couple of years again which kind of reminds me of how I felt in those like late teen years when I was first experiencing sexuality, like part of it felt very awakening and alive, but then all this shaming and criticism and judgment kind of like started stuffing it all in a box. And now I feel like I'm rediscovered it all in the last couple of years and it's amazing. And I feel kind of like sad that I missed out on all of that, but how does your, how does the shame bit, because on the one hand you said you've had a lot of sexual shame, but then you're also very comfortable and very open in that part of your life. Has that been a journey as well? Oh, absolutely. And I can relate to the lack, lack of libido in a relationship. Uh, so my ex-fiance, who I've been out of the relationship for a year now, he, um, it was great in the beginning. We did all kinds of fun things. Like we'd have sex, like in the car or go to the dressing room and just or even like film ourselves like it was it was so much fun and we talk about it and we'd like spend sex and I ended up moving in with him and we got engaged and the sex just kind of like dropped off I don't know if it was part of me like 
you know, I was starting to really dig into my life coaching work and yoga teacher training. And um, I think some of it, like he felt a little bit like threatened by it because it was taking attention away from him. Like there's so many other issues there, but like back to the mm. libido, I think a lot of it was fear that came in. Like I, there's a lot of anxiety and fear, like in the relationship to be able to be me. I would try to open up even about like my sexual history or just, you know, that whole shared vulnerability is like what builds intimacy. And I wanted to really connect with them. And I would tell him a story and he would place judgment on that. And so there were times I'd initiate sex with him and he's like, no, I can't think of, can't stop thinking about like who you've had sex with or would, you know, we'd be watching game of Thrones or something. And he's like, Oh, I could never marry a whore. Like, cause he was, you know, the whorehouses and stuff. And I'm like, well, what is your definition of a whore? Mm. And he said, someone that's had sex with 50 or more people. And I'm like, okay, well, I've had sex with 50 or more people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it felt liberating to like say that out loud on one hand, but then I knew I would get just shamed for it. And, you know, he would hold it over my head for like a long time or, or I would even say like a trigger word like Hawaii and he knew about a story that happened in Hawaii and he would just shut down. Mm. And so it was really uncomfortable to start even initiating sex with him. And the other side of the coin, he would write on the calendar, like the last time that we had sex. <sighs> and I'm like, what is this star? <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, that's the last time we had sex. I'm like, you're keeping track, but you're also not even coming my way. So it was really mixed message. Like I just felt really unsafe and uncomfortable and didn't feel seen or heard. Uh, so breaking through that has been like super empowering. Like I just getting away from that. I'm able to meditate. I'm not stressed anymore. Uh, you can't have an orgasm if you have cortisol in your body too. So like if sex isn't even like enjoyable cause you're mm. afraid, then it's, it's hard. But on the other side, finding out through my stories, a little bit of anxiety is even an aphrodisiac. So there's like a fine line <laughs> with that anxiety. Yeah, I can relate to that one. And I like a good shag if I'm a little yeah. bit stressed out. It's like, let's just do this. <laughs> yeah. And I like it aggressive too. <laughs> Push my head against the, yeah. against the floor and let's go for it. <laughs> Back my ass. <laughs> Pull my hair. Yeah. <laughs> just a little choking. Just a little. It's, I mean, I feel like in those moments for me, it's like, uh, I kind of just like want to forget about whatever it is that I'm a bit stressed about. Mm -hmm. it, almost like that same feeling that, you could have when you get home at the end of the day and you're like, fuck, I need a glass of wine. It's like, I just need a good mm -hmm. fuck. Like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and I mean, I'm not sure if that's healthy in those moments, but it's probably not the worst or it could be, I don't know. It depends on the relationship and the <laughs> dynamic, I guess. Well, and I guess it also, you know, depends on if you are using it just to numb yourself, like, and if it's adding consequence to your life, you know, like as, if you're a sex addict, that you're, it's a compulsion you know, then that would be a problem. But yeah, I think there's like in any substance or any activity, there's like a healthy dose of it. And I just feel like I've swung the pendulum from like one side to the other where it's like, I, you know, tried to behave like a good girl. So I didn't seem like the dirty slut. Mm. And then there's times it's like, I've swung the other side where it's like, well, I'm going to use my sexuality as a weapon not knowing that I'm using it as a weapon or even as like a defense. Like I found, you know, there's times that I would throw myself in like all into a sexual relationship or even have this exude this confidence while I'm giving like a strip tease or like just sucking your dick, like, <laughs> like a porn star. Like it just, but it wasn't, that's not, that wasn't like fully me. That was me mm -hmm. like with armor in front of me. Mm-hmm. I think that I would say that's been my shift is like, if I think of my um, sexual history or trajectory or whatever, it was like, you know, discovering sex, discovering masturbation, discovering all of that and being like, okay, this feels good. And this is what bodies do. And it's kind of exciting. And then I guess I, I lost my virginity at like 15 or something. Um, had sex with a couple of guys at school, 
who were mostly my boyfriends, I think, but all this like shame and slut shaming and everything. And then I just started, mm-hmm. I feel, I felt like my number is too high. And I think it was like six or something when I was in my early twenties and it was all about the number and my number is too high. And I don't think I ever, I, I think I had one boyfriend where we really kind of explored and had really great sex and I felt really comfortable. And then let's see, I was 19 and I was, um, like a pole dancer for three months. And that's when I really discovered like the power of women's bodies and women's sexuality. And I loved it. I was like, this is fucking amazing. Mm -hmm. Like that was a real awakening moment for me. But I think part of what happened was it was still about my power and how I could show up and how I could be this sexual object for a man. And there was a lot of power in that but I wasn't necessarily like completely losing myself in the sex either. Like I wasn't, I also had a boyfriend. I just remembered when I was 16 who refused to go down on me. He's like, I don't do that. It's disgusting. And that impacted me for a long time. Like it took a few boyfriends and or partners, let's say after that for me to like release that shame that he had put on me. Cause he was a couple of years older than me. And I really, he was like the first guy I ever fell in love with. And he broke my heart. That was the heart, like the heartbreak that I remember feeling that I'm like now feeling again. <laughs> anyway, I don't want to get sidetracked, but <laughs> reopen that. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I haven't felt heartbreak like that since my first boyfriend. So that says something. I was definitely dating people who couldn't break my heart quite that much. Um, but yeah, so he, he was like, oh, it's disgusting. I'd never do that. And so I had this thing that having a guy give you head was disgusting. So I had to like, that took a while to work past. Um, and then, yeah, so discovering myself as a powerful sex object or something where I could, but it was still, yeah, it wasn't like me surrendering to the experience. I was kind of like performing essentially. And part of that felt good. And part of that felt like there was also that slut stuff was still in the back of my mind and I don't know, so many different iterations of it. And then I basically had two long-term relationships back to back, both seven years and both were started off lots and lots of sex and, you know, quickly within six to 12 months tapered into like whatever it might've been once a week or whatever. And it wasn't bad, like it was happening, but it, and I would always think that I'd be like, well, we've been together for ages. At least we still have sex. And you know, it's fine. And both of those relationships, I remember like times when the spark would come back and things would come alive again. But I don't know, I still look back and I think, I don't think I was empowered. I don't think I felt super empowered in either of those relationships. I feel like because they were long-term relationships and particularly my marriage, I'd almost been like, okay, put the, put the past of the highly sexual powerful sexual Sarah away and now you've got to be the good wife and men don't want to marry the slut or the whore or the super sexual person as like you said your ex-fiance said he wouldn't marry a whore like this was the story that I told myself that men don't want to marry that they want to marry the good girl so I now have to play the role of the good girl and the good girl is not highly sexual which is bullshit. Like, I mean, we all have our own libidos and I don't think it really, there's no good or bad attached to that, but that's how I felt. So where am I at now? I think I feel so much more like expressive and comfortable in my sexuality. I think like another weird thing for me is like, I've always been attracted to women a little bit. Like I probably can't see myself dating a woman because I think I like the masculine kind of energy and compliment in terms of like my main partners or whatever, but I do have an attraction to women. I have had sex with a couple of women and it's been really enjoyable. Fuck. It took me most of my life to be able to even say those words out loud and, you know, be comfortable and be okay with that because of labels and shame that came around that part of exploring sexuality. So where am I at now is like super comfortable, but I'm, I'm curious, like I'm just curious to have this discussion and try to figure out, like all of that, what you've been doing with all of this writing and discovering yourself is like making me really curious. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's definitely been an interesting journey over the last year um, since I've moved out. I feel like moving out and also, you know, not only did I move out the same, the day before I moved, my dad died. And that was another source of my sexual 
shame. Like you want to go back even further. I started masturbating when I was like four, five. I can remember it, like having a teddy bear and like <laughs> rubbing it under me and not knowing what I was doing. I just knew it felt good. And I would come out of my room and my cheeks would be red. And my parents <laughs> would be like, were you rubbing? <laughs> and it's like, uh, yeah, but What's interesting is, you know, how they knew that they would just burst in my room. I mean, I remember being in my teens and my dad walking in on me several times when I was masturbating like that. I mean, that puts like a little bit of PTSD, you know, like the door going to open up. Am I ever going to actually be able to like let go and have this release? Did they did what did you get in trouble for it? Uh, not really. No, they were just kind of like shame like you know just make me feel guilty about doing it or just like oh god I yeah, don't wanna... yeah so it was sort of frowned upon it though. was yeah um they made me take the lock off of my door like oh my god isn't this insane to think about like it is well and I thought it was that normal I, the same <laughs> similar thing happened to me I discovered the jet in the spa in the hot tub and I was like <laughs> oh this is nice I don't know what age I was probably around eight or nine I think because I was still living in Melbourne I remember and all I remember is my mum just obviously she knew as well. And I just remember her saying like, good girls just don't do that. Just don't do that. And that's uh, basically all I remember. And I was just like, okay, it's bad. And then, but I still wanted to do it because it felt good. So, yeah, you know, I, right. I just tried to make sure no one could find me or see me. It's like, God, it starts so young. Yeah. It's like, and it's sad because you can't prevent it. Like the whole like abstinence teaching at school is bullshit. Oh my like God. you might as well just so give us the right information. And I had so many mixed messages with my dad. So here are my parents like telling me not to do this stuff and, you know, making me feel bad about it. And, um, just anything with sex related. But I remember I was seven when I found my dad's playboys and speaking of women and like being attracted to women or even thinking like, this is how I'm supposed to look mm. like, you know, my dad would give like playboys more attention and affection like than my mom. And I remember finding my dad's porn and just being like, whoa, this is, this is awesome. I was like 11 or 12 and I was just like totally enthralled by it and turned on by it. And yeah, I had to like hide it that I was looking at it and hide it that I was even a sexual being. So when I, I was 14, almost 15, when I made my sexual debut, <laughs> I, to, I hate the term like losing virginity, like. You only have it once and if you give it away, yeah. like, well, that's, that's yeah. done. Like now you're tarnished. I hate that. So I made my sexual debut with a guy who I thought was my boyfriend. That was a really traumatic experience, like within itself. But coming home, uh, he, his stepdad dropped me off. Like he didn't even come home with me. Like didn't even take me home. His stepdad dropped me off at the top of a hill because that he drove a linen truck, like this big truck couldn't go down the hill and turn around like in the driveway. So he parked where my bus stop would park. And I it was like cold February day. Like I just lost my, I just made my sexual debut <laughs> and it was horrible. And I went, walked down this hill and up this long gravel driveway. And like my dad and I had such a powerful, like energetic connection. I just felt this like heaviness like looming over the house like I knew I was fucked like I knew they knew something so they literally were fucked. yeah I was fucked, <laughs> <laughs> so, <just> been fucked. <laughs> <laughs> so they interrogated me and I you know it's I think because I was so upset um I am just so traumatized by like the whole experience I was scared and told them like I screwed him you know, I could have like made up something like, yeah, I went to this boy's house and we kissed or something, but I just, I wanted it out. And my dad like looked at me like with this, this like disbelief, like kind of frozen. And my mom got up from the table and grabbed my hair and like pushed me into the wall and called oh, me a whore. Like, talk about good girls. Like my mom grew up Catholic. Um, and then she took me to the hospital because she like couldn't believe, I guess, that her 14-year-old daughter wanted to have sex and that it had to have been rape. And so I talked to this nurse. The guy, he was 16. And so we're both minors. And it was consensual. And she's like, well, I don't really know what I can do for you. But I just remember crying in the waiting room. And it was so embarrassing to like tell this nurse. 
And then uh, she said, well, you know, my best advice for you is to get, you know, a gynecologist set up and maybe get on birth control, which was probably like one of the best things that like could have happened for me at that point. So I'm really grateful that it came out in the open for my own health. Mm. But we went home and they're like, yeah, you're not going to school tomorrow and you need to call your drill sergeant. Because I, I lied and said I was at a drill meet. You need to call him. And he was like in his 50s. I had to tell this 50-something-year-old man that I had sex with another student that we were in an ROTC class together, what had happened, why I couldn't be on the drill team anymore, and that we had to be separated. So here I am gone for three days from school. This kid, you know, is probably telling everybody that he fucked me because that's what 16-year-old boys do. <laughs> and then I'm not at school. So like it even more, you know, it's like, yeah, oh, wow, she's, she's not even here. Like, man. I don't, I don't even know what the conversation was when I was gone. Mm. And then, so to come back to school after all of that, it was, it was bad. Like, you know, so now I have it in my mind, well, you're a whore. And now there's all these boys at school that know that I've put out. And so it just became this string. Like there's a circle of guys that I ended up like having sex with half of them. Cause it was just like, okay, this is, I guess this is what I do. Uh, they they like me, so I have to validate myself, and I guess they won't like me unless I have sex with them, or I won't feel loved or seen unless you know somebody's inside of me. <laughs> like, and you know, fifteen, sixteen. Yeah, no, I mean, I did the same thing. I I don't know. It's like I was talking to a girlfriend the other day, and she said something like. Uh, do you think I have daddy issues? And I was like, girl, we all do. Like, and don't feel bad about it. It's completely fine. Like we all have some stuff, like a relationship with our fathers and with our mothers that have impacted. And it's not to say our parents are horrible or did the wrong things or whatever, but we get impacted and we have to figure it out. I mean, my dad left when I was 10 and I think I basically had a boyfriend from the moment the first guy was interested in me. I was like, great. It was total external validation. Like just, mm. and, and that's just, I've just broken the cycle at 38 years old. I've finally just said enough is enough. Like you need to be able to love yourself and validate yourself and not need it to come from a man. I mean, there's still men in my life and I love them all, but I'm shifting all of that and doing all of that inner work so that you know, I can enjoy that, but not have it be, I guess, uh, what my self-esteem or happiness or stability is, is hanging on. Yeah. I think that was a, a huge catalyst, you know, it was last year, July 19th, my dad died unexpectedly. July 20th, I moved out, got my own place. Those were the two men that I sought validation from, because I thought that's how I needed to be safe. Mm-hmm. Like I thought, well, my dad, he's always there. If I need something, like he'll come in and he'll save the day. Or if I'm not good to my boss or my boyfriend or spouse or or roommate, then I'm going to be out on my own. Well, all of that shifted because here I am doing awesome things, living on my own. I I don't need, I don't even have a boss. I am my own boss. I don't have an overbearing father telling me like, how to live my life anymore. And then I don't have a boyfriend that I have to bounce off of. And yeah, I'm like you, I have men in my life. Like, in fact, yesterday I got to practice some of this stuff that I've been learning, like in reading, becoming clitorate and even like women who love too much, like, and being comfortable with my own sexuality. Like for a minute there, I was like, you know what, I'm going to be celibate and date myself and just masturbate. And I'm still dating myself and still just spending time like, intellectually with the people that I want to spend time with and giving myself enough of that self-care and love. But I also love the dance of sex. And, you know, like, Mm. like we said, sometimes I just want to get just railed. Oh yeah. I love it. It's like this tension between you and somebody else. It's amazing. This is why I always struggled with monogamy as well, because I was like, I can't just turn that off. And the reality is like, when you're in a long-term relationship, even if you're having a great sex life, even if you're absolutely in love and happy with each other, you are not going to have that same feeling that you have when 
I don't know, you can feel this magnetic energy between someone that you want to fuck and you know, they want to fuck you. And it's just like, are we going to do this or not? When's it going to happen? Yeah. Am I sure this is going to happen? Yeah. Yeah, definitely is. And like that feeling, it's fucking amazing. Like, and that's when I realized that toward the end of my marriage, I was like, I can't live without that for the rest of my life. And I talked with my ex-husband about the possibility of us opening, considering opening up our marriage and working towards something like that. And he wasn't interested, which is fine. Like it's yeah, fucking challenging, let me tell you. But having been in 15 years of monogamy, two relationships back to back, it was like, and I was reasonably successful at it. Like I pretty much stuck to my monogamy bar three indiscretions, I think over the whole entire 15 year period. And of which I was open with those partners about um, after the fact, but yeah, it was, I was cheating for sure. <laughs> but like in the grand scheme of like 15 years, I'm like, shit, Sarah, you did fucking well considering how horny you are as a human. Like, and how many, <laughs> like I have amazing people in my life. I meet amazing people. And I just, yeah, I just got to that point where I was like, I, I can't just say that's it for the rest of my life. I'm never going to experience those things. So now the journey is, how do I have, I mean, firstly, learn to love myself and put myself first and date myself first and be enough completely. So that's one part of it. But moving back into like potentially being in relationship and non-monogamy, it's like, how do I continue to unwind all of the conditioning and everything that we've been told that if you're sexually or even emotionally or physically or any form of attraction to another person that it takes away from the attraction that you already have. And I've already experienced it. I know that it doesn't, but it's hard to be on the other side of it for sure. Like I also want to be someone's queen, someone's princess, someone's absolutely everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's got to go both ways. So it's really challenging. And I, I must admit, I think where I find myself today is our, my open relationship that I was in for 18 months was, I think we achieved a lot, especially for two people, their first time trying to be open and getting to know each other. So it wasn't all bad, but we, it was also really challenging. It was really, really hard. And, you know, in the end we had quite a roller coaster of a relationship. Like it was very up and down emotionally and uh, a lot of destruction toward the end and just kind of blew up spectacularly. So we've managed to repair a lot of that since, but I'm, I do find myself now where I'm, scared about like how to have all of the everything that I want and also not be just constantly going insane because open relationship definitely you know (laughs) there's a lot to work through and process and think about but um I guess that's where I find myself right now is trying to and just be with what I have now and that's okay but obviously I enjoy being in relationship and I know I will end up in relationship again but I, do, I want to learn from all of these experiences that I've had. And I don't want to go in pretending that, you know, this person's going to be the one and they'll fulfill everything. And I won't want anything else ever because it's not the case. Like I want to be able to have all of these experiences with them, without them, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, I think that that would, that's ideal for me, just based on how I feel when I'm in a monogamous relationship, I do feel that kind of itch to, you know, do something different, but I can be the good girl and just stay in my place and have a little bit of fear keeping me enclosed. Um, But I love the idea of, you know, having a best friend and going on adventures with them or without them. And so I've been practicing when I do date or I do meet somebody that I want to have sex with. I am so much more straightforward than I used to be. I'm just like, like last night, I was like, I need to let you know like where I'm at. And he was like, all right, where are you at? I said, well, I'm a recovering relationship addict. Oh, yes, <laughs> so, so am looking, I. I need to say yeah. that. <laughs> so I'm not looking for a relationship with you. Like, in fact, I know I'm enough that I'm like, okay, this, I would start trying to fix you. Like, I can accept you for who you are. Like, let's accept where we are. And I know that I'm physically attracted to you. I am super horny tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I just felt like really good. I was like, okay, so I believe that intercourse is post play. You know, I need to make sure that I have been pleased before 
we introduced that. And not to say that I don't enjoy intercourse. I think it's great once I'm ready. If I'm not ready, if I'm not mentally and physically prepared or even emotionally prepared, it doesn't, it's not that great. Like it's mm-hmm. kind of like, okay, you're just ramming into me. Yeah. <laughs> so I told him, I was like, look, I, he's like, okay, well, how do you, how do you want me to touch you? And I was like, well, I want to be open. I was like, I need you to just breathe with me for a little bit. And so he took some deep breaths with me and he just caressed my skin and we talked a little bit and, you know, I had a a dress on with like nothing underneath and he kind of like was getting cheeky with me. And I was like, all right, this feels, this feels good. And then, and then when I was ready, I kissed him. And then when when I was ready, you know, we went a little bit further and then he took, started taking the lead and and he probably went down on me for like 30 minutes. It was fantastic. I brought toys in. I was, and then he tried to, you know, get inside of me. And I was like, I'm not ready for that. <laughs> so It felt so good to, to say that and to own myself. And he was like, you know, what makes you like, he stopped. He's like, you're so sexy. And he's like, you know, what makes you so sexy is that like, you're the most confident woman that I've ever met. <laughs> 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 I'm like, yeah, I'm sick of like hiding behind a mask. Like if you don't want this, if this isn't how you want things, like that's fine. Let me save you months of your time. (laughs) Well, and I think I wonder as well if like, because we're never really talked to about sex growing up. Mm -hmm. So then we're not really learning skills to talk about sex with each other when we start having sex. And then it really becomes about just chasing the orgasm, you know, and especially like men are obviously more likely to orgasm and I'm not a sex bird. So don't like Mm. sue me for saying that. But in my experience anyway, like if a man, if you have intercourse then ultimately the man will have an orgasm and it's not always that way for women, like it can be or it can't be or whatever. But I feel like, like when I started learning about Tantra and reading and also just naturally and intuitively tapping into that side of myself, all of a sudden, like stop chasing the orgasm. And it's a whole different experience. Like where can we get pleasure just by being here? And you might end up having four orgasms, but it's not about this like bang, bang, bang until one of us explodes and then it's finished. Like, I don't know. Yeah. But I think for men, like we're not talking to them about it a lot of the time either in, in defense of them. And they don't know, what to do necessarily. Yeah, I told him about that. So I've been reading the book Becoming Cliterate, which is it's by Lori Mintz. And it's amazing. It does actually talk about the uh, pleasure gap mm-hmm. with men and women having orgasms, especially in like hookup culture, because you don't have that time to really talk to them. So I was yeah. like, look, we're going to talk about this right now. And I told him like, I, I can't, have an orgasm or really experience a lot of pleasure by intercourse alone. Like I need that buildup, not to say that I don't enjoy it. And I said, I bet you that a lot of the times when women said that they did with you, they were probably faking it. And I, cause I'm guilty of that. I used to do that. Um, I would fake an orgasm because like when I was like done, I couldn't ask to just be done which that changed. Yeah. I was like, I've stopped sex before. Cause I'm like, I just, I'm done. I'm not feeling it. I, I would love for you to have an orgasm, but you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure the ratio of you having one and not, this will, this will be fine for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I used to, yeah, when I used to fake it, that's not doing me any favors. It's not doing them any favors, but I did it because I thought something was wrong with me that, well, in porn, it looks like they're having like a great time where all these other women are talking about this or this is how we probably got some other girl off. Like maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe I just can't have an orgasm this way. So I'd fake it so that it wouldn't hurt their ego. Mm. <laughs> I feel I never really faked it, but I figured out exactly how to get what I needed and I would just do that. But that was very much like, so I would know how to be a sexual object and turn them on and do all of those things. I also know how to knew exactly what position to get myself into to have an orgasm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, that would be it. So it was like, but again, it still wasn't that like losing myself in our connection of the dynamic that was happening, the energetic connection of what was happening there and then. And in my last couple of years and really more recently, like tantric experiences where 
I've ended up having orgasms, totally different positions, situations, places that I even had ever experienced in the last 20 years of having sex because, is it 20 years? Yeah, yeah. I'm 38. Yeah, so it, because I was actually like forgetting about look and be and act this way to be this powerful sexual object for the woman and then do this because you know it'll get you off. I've actually like opened myself to the men that I'm with or the men that are in my life so that um, I can surrender to that a little bit more and allow them to give me that pleasure um, and communicate as well. And I've then, I think the other thing that's happened is rather than trying to be this powerful sexual object, I like think more about giving them pleasure, not just looking like pleasure or acting like pleasure, but actually really sensing into their bodies and what feels good and what doesn't and connecting that energy. And everybody is different as well, which I think is fucking cool. Mm. Like I love that experience with a new partner. And as you sleep together for longer and longer, like really figuring each other out and things that happen for me with one partner feel different with somebody else. So even I find myself experiencing like a different, there's a different energy, a different dynamic with every partner. I think that's so amazing. Yeah, which is another reason why I don't think monogamy is for me because it's so much fun. And and talking about women too, like I've expressed with, you know, the men that I've been with, I was like, I don't, how can I choose to be with you when like, I also like women? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's hard to, so am I supposed to choose like one or the other? Like, and well, what if I want both of you? <laughs> and that's yeah. fun experience too I feel like sex is one of my favorite ways to express myself and and when I do feel comfortable in a relationship or with a partner and I feel super open with them I do feel like that what you're saying with the the tantric like that you can um like really sense them and it's it's deeper you're more present Mm -hmm. and it's it's beautiful because it's you can have an orgasm or have pleasure without like having to be like bent over and and just fucked, which that would be like my go-to position when I'd want to get off is like, well, just bend me over. But then there, there's also that lack of connection there too. That's even an, a way of armor. Exactly. Because you're just doing exactly what you know works. Yeah. Kind of like, well, and also you're not even facing yeah. <laughs> them. <laughs> you're like, I could close my eyes and like imagine anybody behind me right now or I'm just focusing on a sensation I'm not focusing on you yeah which I'm not going to give that up I still really like anything from behind yeah but there's ways you can I mean I I totally for me it's like on top so when I'm on top I know I can get off for sure but I've been able to continue to do that now and just have different deeper better orgasms but I'm connected like so connected versus just like, okay, cool. I'm in the position that I know I'll have an orgasm and then we can stop. <laughs> Your Tantra study, did you go to like courses or do you read or you just? No, like- I just read like a book and, oh, okay. This is a funny story. <laughs> yes. I was on an aeroplane and I started reading this book called Urban Tantra and it was describing how you can practice yourself. And I was like, great. I went straight to the bathroom on the plane <laughs> and gave myself like this just practice this breath work exercise that they had told you and told me and gave me gave myself an orgasm in the plane toilet it was great I love that you're like a little flushed my seatmate was probably like yeah I know what you've been doing (laughs) mile high club with myself yeah exactly I've done the mile high club solo (laughs) I've never done it with a man damn it or a woman Uh, I don't know how comfortable that would be that's a tiny room (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so I literally just read that book and then I don't even know if I got through that book but I just um I started just feeling it just really feeling it and I've had two partners um my ex-boyfriend and another partner who like we've really that tantric connection has really just been there and it's something now that I'm also like, I think that is something that I probably like, like you're inspiring me to next time I sleep with somebody new to like bring that in from early on. Like it kind of feels like this weird hippie thing. Like sometimes I tell myself that about, about the things that I do and I'm like, Oh, it'll be too much for this person if I would, but fuck that. Like, that's not my truth. Right. Like I wrote my life vision and it was like, sex is 
connected, um, fulfilling and tantric. I think sex is connected, tantric and revitalizing for myself and my partners. I'm like, well, yes, I do want that every time if I can have it. Like, why would I not? Yeah. And you deserve that. That's your divine right with your sexuality. Like you don't even have to say with my partners be with myself Mm -hmm. like all of I want something tantric and connected and revitalizing with myself and I did before I went to dinner last night I took myself out to dinner a girlfriend ended up meeting me out there so that was fun too but before I went out I took a bath and I brought my vibrator and whoever invented like waterproof submergible vibrators is a god (laughs) (laughs) or goddess (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it was so awesome to connect with myself and then to still feel like later in the night, I'm like, I would like to connect with someone else. And it was, it was kind of scary to say that at first to like, I don't know how this person's going to react. They might just like run out of the door, you know, and I told him a few other like personal things and he's like, none of that is deterring me. (laughs) I'm like, well, I wasn't trying to like push you away. I wanted to let you know about my truth I wanted to be honest with you and know where I'm coming from because I don't like that ambiguity no anymore like when I would go into something I'm like well I kind of like this person I don't want to have sex with them because I like this person or all these weird rules and different things we yeah do to make sure we get it right and it's like what's right what's right is what you feel in your heart right and then being able to like express that outwardly to your partner and I would rather somebody be like you know what this isn't for me maybe this is a little bit much or no I'm not on that page no this is what I want thank you for being honest and let themselves out the door then like not say something and have it looming over my head while we're having sex and not being able to be fully present because I'm like what is he thinking this is and so it felt really good to say that well, and I'm so curious to, as I go on this journey, to be more open the way that you're describing, like on that first, in that first encounter, because I think how many times, like sometimes you have sex with someone the first time, it's just, you guys obviously mesh and it's just fucking great. And it just gets better from there. And then other times it's like, it's a bit awkward and a bit weird and it doesn't quite feel like you gel. And then you're not even sure if it's worth yeah. going back there. Like maybe we're just not, we don't have the right chemistry or whatever. But I wonder, like, with more communication, like, even those first initial experiences can probably be a hell of a lot better. So that's something that I'm taking away from this conversation that I'm going to be more brave and more confident about is, like, bringing the way that I'm confident with a partner um, that I've been with for longer or even with somebody who, like, is confident themselves. That obviously makes me opens up space for me to talk, but like I can bring that too. I can bring that conversation too. Yeah. And there's something great. Like I had that conversation when we were fully clothed. Mm. So before we even got into any of it, you know, it's like, well, we can just have this conversation like sitting on my bed. Um, but you know, I, it felt a little easier to say it. Like when you're, you're fully clothed and you're not like distracted and on top of each other already trying to have a conversation. So yeah, to get it out there. Well, then it kind of could, you could be afraid that it will come off like that. Oh, stop, wait, you're doing something wrong. And that's not actually what it is. But like, if you haven't even started yet, it's like quite a bit of space to just talk about what you like and don't like before you even go. Yeah. And then it opened up the floor while we were having sex for me to say, no, I'm not ready yet. Or, oh, that's a little bit rough. Or why don't we try this? You know, and it, and he, you know, I could tell that it came off as like, well, oh, I'm just directing you because everybody is different versus okay you suck in bed (laughs) it wasn't yeah because I told him early on I said my pleasure matters and don't worry like you're gonna have a fantastic time too like probably more so (laughs) because now you know I'm gonna be well lubricated and more responsive and more you know into it (laughs) like I'm sure that I mean I've heard stories guys like love that they love knowing that they are pleasing their woman. And I really genuinely think that men want to please women. You know, if you went into a group full of men and you asked them like, you know, do you want to please your lady? I'm guaranteed the majority of them would raise their hand. Like they want to, Oh God, yeah. but they're not taught They're They learn from porn. They learn from their friends. 
They learn from just whatever worked for their first girlfriend. And they, and like you said, if you don't talk about it, like you don't know. And if girls are faking it, I feel like the best thing that I can do for other women is to tell the men that I'm having sex with, because I'm not going to be the only woman that they're going to have sex with Mm -hmm. to teach them something like, you know, like, Hey, you should ask a woman what she needs to be open. You should ask her what gives her pleasure. You should wait your, your fucking turn, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because some of these women haven't said that. And if I can help people, you know, if it can ripple out and from my orgasm, other people can have orgasms and, you know, that's just one more step towards peace. <laughs> I hear you, girl. And I can tell you, giving a woman an orgasm from firsthand experience is like one of the best fucking things on earth. Like I, the first time I experienced the power I felt from pleasuring a woman was like, holy shit, no wonder dudes like this so much. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They just, everything is just thrown out it's like a fucking hurricane it's totally different to get tidal wave I love it (laughs) yeah anyway I think that's probably a good note to wrap up on we definitely (laughs) we definitely went deep into it today (laughs) all right well the next time we'll talk about girl sex (laughs) dive right in (laughs) yeah thank you so much for coming on and sharing so much and going through the shame and the evolution of our our sexual histories I think it's um so interesting and sharing all of the stuff around the writing you're doing as well. I think that's really inspirational and, and curious for, for myself and others even to consider like, what would we learn about ourselves if we wrote about, if we wrote our own erotic novels. So thank you. Yeah. Well, I'll have to send some over to you. Please do. <laughs> and now I'm all turned on talking about all this stuff. <laughs> Lucky you got that waterproof vibrator. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Savannah. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of In My Truth. You can find the show notes on my website under the tab podcast or sarahregelhuth.com forward slash In My Truth podcast. To stay updated on all of our episodes, subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcasting app. We cover some pretty intense stuff in our episodes. So if anything is coming up for you, please don't be afraid to reach out for help. In the show notes of every episode, you'll find a list of resources but good friend Google will always be able to help you depending on where you're located in the world. Remember, you're not alone and there is hope even though it may not feel that way at times. Talk to someone, a friend or family member and let them support you. Reach out to a professional, do whatever you need to start your journey back to feeling good. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, either publicly or anonymously, head to my website and book in. Once again, it's sarahregelhook.com forward slash in my truth podcast. Thanks again for being here.